Is that? Am I hearing? Am I hearing rain falling? Gentle rain falling inside of my coffee maker. Oh, a rain of coffee. Gentle, dark rain. <laughs> uh, How do I sound? Is that, do I sound all right? Yeah, you? you sound good. You know what you sound, sound like? Good. You sound like a dad. It's dad's day. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been treated well so far? No. Nah. <laughs> no. No, I have I actually yesterday Toby uh greeted me in the morning with a big happy Father's Day and I was like, "Hey, thanks man, but it's tomorrow." He's like, "Oh." Yeah. I said, all you, "All you have to do now is remember tomorrow." And lo and behold, he did. With great fanfare, he wished me a happy Father's Day and gave me a hug. So, um Owen has um Owen so far is celebrating um me by not waking up, which I approve of. Mm-hmm. And I will, um, I will make them waffles after after we record the podcast. That's nice because Rian has uh, Rian is going to see her dad this weekend. So um, mm. I'm here. She harboring fugitives. You know what? I sent her those exact is she words. Having right through scrum, right? I yeah, I I sent her those exact words in a text yesterday because she left um, Ithaca at I don't know like two thirty yesterday. And um, a, couple, a few hours later, I expected that she was going to call to say she'd made it safely. And instead, she called to tell me she was stuck in traffic on the Southern Tier Expressway. And she said, there is a, there's a police roadblock. They're searching every car. There's cops on ATVs running around in the woods. There are helicopters flying overhead. And she said, quick, go on the internet. Find out if it's the fugitives. I bet it's the fugitives. Because she has been following the the story of the fugitives with great excitement, and um, lo and behold, they they thought they were down there. I haven't been following it after that though. So have have they caught the guys? I'm not that off. Uh, so uh, yeah, Rian uh, was not harboring the fugitives, as far as I know. Um, but I think she was excited to be in the middle of the action. Always is. Yeah. Always. Although the the potential, you know, the danger is terrifying. How how dangerous are these guys? Were they are they murderers? Do you think so? I think they're murderesses. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think you know they're probably um uh they are very likely in the same uh portion of the prison as uh as our um disgraced mm. uh brother-in-law, former brother-in-law. So it's all in the family. You and they, I have a other in law common or no 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 re and I maybe we do maybe we maybe there's a some kind of arrangement we don't know about but you and I don't know about could be could have he could have helped them escape yeah yeah so so that's kind of exciting it's always nice to have a personal a personal connection to escaped fugitives to a story would you help people escape if you were in prison knowing that you yourself were not going to be able to or just didn't want to would you aid others? Guilty well, people. I think it. Uh, I think it depends, Ed. What What have I done? What have I done to be in prison? How? What are my I views? I don't want to presume. My, what are my views on society? <laughs> Am I hostile? It's just, you, just It's just John. I'm hostile it's to society. Regular old John. No regular Scribbs. Regular John. Johnny Scribbs, as you know, it is not going to be Scribbs in, in the slammer. Not going to be in the slammer. <laughs> I will not be. Slammed in the him slammer. up. Scribbs up the river. <laughs> Okay, I can imagine that I have. Um, I, let's just say I've accidentally killed someone. I have. I have done. Yeah. I've done a thing. I've been reckless. Maybe I've. Um, maybe I uh, was driving home from a bar thinking I was uh, not drunk, but I was, and I. Yeah. I hit some one too many gimlets. Right, and I and now mm-hmm. I'm in jail. Um, and what I really am is angry at myself for yeah. being a bad person, but I can't, um, I can't, uh, I can't stand the strain of, I can't stand my own self-loathing. I can't face what I've done. So yeah. I take out my, my fury on society and I decide that it's me against the world, that, uh, the, the people who put me in jail are the man and I want to, um, 
I want to help others who are, have suffered the same misfortune as me, mm-hmm. uh, have been ill-served by the world. Um, to uh, can't help yourself, to, but to you escape. can help your doubles. Yeah. So I decide yeah. I'm, my way of my way of uh, being helpful is to help others in my situation to be free. So yes, I I, mm-hmm. I'm, I will do it. I'll do it with a sneer, do it. a sneer on my face. You're already planning it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Rian is texting yeah, me Uncle, right now. By the way, where did Uncle me. Johnny go? Oh, he went up. He went back to college. <laughs> he's he's working on a farm upstate. <laughs> um, Rian is There's texting lots of me room to, for him to run around. Rian's yeah. texting me to tell me that um, the the I should force the children to make me breakfast. Yeah. But the problem is I don't want to eat the breakfast that they would make. <laughs> right. I'm going to make the breakfast that, that I want them to have, and then I'm going to have it as well. That's my plan. Yeah. 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 We are, uh, I don't know, we have nothing major planned. There was a uh, Father's Day breakfast that uh, little daycare he goes to on Sunday, on Friday morning. Yeah. Which is not a day that he usually goes, but we went anyway. And had one pancake and some tiny little sausages <laughs> that he ate for me. <laughs> and um, we had to sit in a different classroom than he usually sits in. And it made him very shy. <laughs> and uh, and then made us feel a little bit out of place. On the whole, I, th- I think uh, not, a, not the most successful pancake breakfast I've ever no, well, no, they're working all week on some Father's Day present that I was looking forward to receiving, and I did not receive it. <laughs> well, uh, t- t- has he is he awake yet? He's sitting on the couch. Yeah, he's awake. <laughs> he's he's fine. I uh, it's an inexpensive daycare, I'll tell you. Yeah, I've, this is the one I've been to. Oh no! This isn't. You're in a new place, of course. No, you've never been to visit us in Vancouver or, That's right. or Brush it's Prairie, a, Washington. It's a brand new place. Yeah, brand new place. Children's Village. It has a pool in it, <laughs> which is weird. It, like an indoor pool. Yeah, and it has. I think it's like a room of sharps. I think that's odd to have <laughs> daycare. What's a room of sharps? Just room of sharps. You know the term sharps. It's like. In, in I think in, in the medical world, uh, sharps is a catch-all term for anything that has the sharp, so needles as well as broken glass. So they have special sharps dispositories, right? They have a special yeah. container. Put sharps in here. I think the daycare, if it has a pool, it might have a room full of sharps. <laughs> Seems <laughs> like they're adventurous that way. They're yeah trying dif- different different approaches. Yeah, just as, you know, there's a Tough. part of the daily routine is to, to keep the uh, yeah. to to keep the the firearm room locked. Well, most of the time, until one day, one day. I try to keep it. Try to keep it locked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's hard to keep it. So much coming and going. Just know? don't don't prop the door open. That's all we're asking. You have to buzz in, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the kids remember won't the figure, code, just, just they won't figure out how to how to buzz in. No. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, yesterday you posted on. Um, I I thought this was this is kind of a beautiful um, this is kind of a beautiful echo. You posted on Instagram this uh, list. It looked like the table of contents of a version of it, your forthcoming manuscript. Potential table of contents of the next book. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and var- various things are crossed out. Various things are uh, circled with little notes put. Maybe you change some titles or something. And mm-hmm. then I'm gotta, I gotta find this. Just a few minutes after you posted this list um, of titles of poems. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Alyssa Washuda posted a list of snacks that <laughs> that she might. Um, she might conceivably uh, serve at uh, something. Hold on, let me find the list. Mm-hmm. I'm having trouble finding it. Maybe she posted hers before you posted yours, or maybe she has. Maybe she's blocked me. I like to think of a book of poems as as a, a gathering of snacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I it's like not that a meal. Notion. Really, it's oh, no. it's a table laid out for a 
for the, the casual visitor to uh, uh, you know take from it at his or her will. Yeah. So I said, here it is. Here's her list. I said canapes. Uh, I said this is just like Ed Skoog's list of poems. And then I said, write a poem called "Cheese in the Red Wax" immediately. And she said, "Oh, you said you responded. You said we'll do." Alyssa says, "Cheese in the Red Wax" warns a whole book, the regular kind. Two, the low fat kind. Three. The kind that is marketed as not the regular kind, but tastes the same. Mm. But I can see all these as poems. Easy Cheese, Milky Way, Midnight Dark, Tootsie Rolls, Donuts, Malamars. Are these seasonal? Rice cakes. Mm. Pop Rocks and Coke. Pop Rocks and Coke could be the poem right after Grateful Dead tapes, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Pop Rocks and Coke. Yeah, yeah. So how so how's it how's it going? How are you going about choosing these? Are you finding that you need to write new poems? Writing some new poems, some new short shorter poems. I think the 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 fourteen or fifteen longer poems that that have been the core of the the book for a while are have unchanged, but I put them in a different order. My friend Mark took a look at the manuscript and said, "Oh, try this order." and and unveiled before me a, a, a clearer, a clearer set of my intentions than I, I had understood. Yeah, um, throwing together some some little poems, maybe um, just you know, trying trying titles, trying different things, a little bit futzing poems. around, futzing around. You um you crossed out. Um, you seem to have crossed out something that says playing banjo, and then that that's in. It's in print, and then there's a you have written in there a slash my whiteness, and then you've. Put I'm a line. thinking about calling it my whiteness because the first line is so, some something like uh, one of the white things I do is play banjo. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that one. It's a new one. A new oh, one. all right, good. Are you so? Yeah. Did, have you decided not to use it? You crossed it out. Well, it's it's. I've been working on it a lot the last few weeks, and I think it. I don't know if it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I don't know if it belongs in this book or not. Yeah. Um, because it, it's it's uh, turning into it's turning out to encompass a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of strands that that uh, I don't know if they would complement the other poems. It started out to because the book was about music and 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 uh, musical culture, but I no uh, more. We'll see. We'll okay. see. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's is two this, songs that are on my mind. Go ahead. What are they? You're saying? Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. This is. Uh, we're gonna see this book next year. Apparently, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm told it's it's next year. Um, but I don't know when. I think later, later in the year. I think it's it's has hasn't yet been determined where okay. on the calendar it fits. Uh. From, you sent me a song. You know, thinking, thinking a lot about, about what what, I, what the cover might look like. Yeah, and I sort of in my mind I have uh, I always want to have you know, you know visual art from a friend, but um, I'm really thinking that a uh, kind of a '70s album cover look. Yeah, uh, a lot of that. I remember, I've been thinking a lot about the '70s typefaces um, yeah. and how how. Uh, strange they were and how would they how they sort of expressed the sort of the, 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 the turning over the uh, you know a longing for a kind of uh, a sort of druggy longing for order ooh right you know like the the, the do you mean the, do you mean a long- the cover of the album Xanadu for example or like a pure prairie league busting out album cover typeface yeah. or even the Rolling Stones, uh, uh, like the, the, the typeface for the, the, the cover, which is, which is called Royal acid bath. Uh-huh. Um, the sort of combination of, um, you know, far out in this, but also sort of an architectural, um, fixity, right? Yeah. Like, uh, um, like the typeface, it looks, like it goes goes psychedelic stuff goes from being looking like it's you know cloudy or you know conspicuously hand drawn 
um, experimental to um, uh, sort of Victorian, yeah, or yeah. Uh, um, you know Roman, or um, still often I think because of the time hand hand lettered, but but uh, but looking like it's part of a building or something, you know, yeah. And that something about that longing within uh, experimental culture that led to Ronald Reagan, I think. I just Googled um, 70s typefaces, and uh, what came up is lovely. I love these. I love these. You you said druggy, druggy desire for order, I think. Mm-hmm. Did you mean desire for druggy order? Or is there a particular de- kind of desire for order that is no, in, 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 in when- nature? Longing for a structure, yeah, uh, chaos. Longing for structure, right? Well, yeah, that's there's poetry right there. And At least in signal places like titles, you know, yeah, uh, re- record covers, poster design, um, you know, old time and uh, deliberate um, ransacked old timiness. You know, when I was going through, I was talking to my dad this morning about um, the experience of going through all the old photos, scanning all the old photos. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I recall my childhood as being very orderly. You know, um, my mother is naturally very orderly, and I inherited that from her. I like, I like various kinds mm-hmm. of order. Um, not as much as mom, though. Uh, and... Uh, Looking at those photos, I, I mean, I think of my childhood as being kind of dominated by my mother's sense of order, right? That there was a tidiness to it, um, mm-hmm. a kind of sort of like, you know, I think I've always conceived of it as kind of a bourgeois obsession with with tidiness and order. But then when I look at the pictures, it's actually it's actually less like that than I remember. It was it it was like uh, that the the sort of scruffy um you know recession influenced chaos of the 70s really was the air that we were breathing when we were growing up um yeah and i i i feel like i probably inherited as much of my aesthetic from the decade um as i did genetically from my mother at least in the at least in the arena of my desire for order because i actually like organized chaos you know, I'm looking mm-hmm. out at our back garden right now, which is actually more chaos than order. But there's this uh, constant tension of you could see the places where Reed and I, who um, are kind of lazy when it comes to um, household management, have mm-hmm. tried to impose just a slight a bit of order on a chaos that we have openly admitted that we just can't can't really control. But I like that. Yeah. I like that about the environment I've made for myself. Yeah, As it's uh, you're creating ruins around yourself. Yeah, and it's almost like I've uh-huh. I have the history. I've meticulously oh. attempted to restore the '70s that my mother has gradually mm-hmm. been able to like um, obscure from her life. Right, I've kind of even though I don't, I'm not super sentimental about childhood. I had a good childhood, but I don't long to be back there. Um, I think my adulthood has been superior to it, but uh, but there's something about the aesthetic of it that has clearly had a huge influence on me. Sure, here's here, this is this is some outtakes from a poem that they're not going into it. This is what I the poem I was trying to write to express that. This is just notes, really. I wanted to call it '70s Bijou style. I realize that's not actually a thing, but like the uh, um, the covers of the, the Doonesbury um, anthologies. Yeah. Because there's a cartoonist, and a, you know, cartoonist is struggling with these things, especially a commercial cartoonist who's uh, got one who's certainly paying attention to counterculture cartoons, but is still writing something for a newspaper. Yeah, right. Um, is the sort of person who brought in who who leads to Reagan. Um, or the, the Xanadu album cover, it's sort of a way to keep it together while high. That's what it, it all looks like to me. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to, I'm really high, but I'm trying to keep it all together. Yeah. You know? So I'm gonna I'm gonna look for architecturally structural visual things. Uh-huh. You know, taking up a, taking up aspects of certainty from the past. <laughs> uh, like I, the I revivals would... of Hello Dolly and tap dancing. 
I would planes. be I'd be able to uh, I'd be able to focus on this text a lot better if these letters were puffy. <laughs> right, puffiness they were, or they were yeah. larger. I would be able to make them out on the page yeah. wall high. Yeah, the covers of Tom Robbins novels. Is that his name? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, when you say Doonesbury Treasuries, do you mean this like slip case, little slip case collection of paperbacks? Oh no, those are nice. Um, no, there were there was, there was like the complete Doonesbury was the title of it. Yeah. Okay. Hold on, let me look that up. I think um, it's got Zonker in a white tuxedo, which is another expression of <laughs> of it. Yeah, I can't find it, but um, but uh, I know the look you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like it's the Doctor in Hunter as in Doctor Hunter as Thompson, or the Doctor in Doctor Joyce Brothers. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> a. So which signals, okay. of, signals of formality in class, like white uh, white tuxedo and tennis shoes, uh, you know. Also, you know, white tennis shorts with a red headband, the renewed appreciation for Fred Astaire, <laughs> the movies "Murder by Death" and "Someone Is Killing the Great Chefs of Europe." Is are you reading off the, off of a poem here? This is a kind of a kind of a list things yeah. that didn't make it into the poem, but you know. <laughs> Movies that were greenlit, one can only imagine by cocaine, blackmail, or apathy. Uh, atriums. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that as a as a category of thing to which one could apply um, an 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 era. <laughs> Atria. Yeah. American atriums. <laughs> That's a good title too. American Atriums. Uh, so Royal Acid Bath is one of the great typefaces of this, but also Grizzly and Novel Gothic. You know those are those on your Royal typeface list. Royal. No, novel Gothic and Grizzly. Wait, is Royal Royal Acid Bath? Is that the Rolling Stone? That's, that's oh. the Rolling Stone. Okay, uh, and what was the second one? Uh, grizzly, G R I S L Y, uh, Z Z L Y, like grizzly bear. Okay. Like bear. Yeah, yeah. Bear. Grizzly, grizzly font. Is it the one with the the blocky letters with the white lines in in the middle? I think so. I guess it's not the first thing that comes up uh, when you type in grizzly, is it? No, no, I even put Grizzly font and I got a bunch of different different fonts. I think it's a pretty common name. Hmm. I think I found the one though that you're talking about. Yeah. Um and what's was the third? Uh, novel Gothic. Yeah. A lot of ads. Yeah, there novel we go. Gothic. Yeah, novel gothic is very evocative for me of that of that era. I like I like I like where you're going with this. So what is this? Is this is is this us being middle-aged and trying to recapture our youth? What are we doing here? I don't know. Um ferns? <laughs> yeah. Ficus? Yeah. The movie Private Benjamin. <laughs> Here are the last two lines of the poem that, that is not going to appear in the book. Okay. Oh, Stevie Nicks, what are you doing here, begazed? Oh, Ronald Reagan, what are you doing here dressed up like Stevie Nicks? <laughs> well, I'm glad those lines are on the podcast anyway. Yeah, this is where they belong. Yeah, <laughs> since, since there are poems in the book that I just typed out from the from the podcast. podcast. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about the book. I think uh, I think it's uh, I'm going to enjoy it existing yeah. in a different way than yeah. I than I than I enjoy the other books existing. Yeah, the, there was definitely a time when you were um, not only down on the. Uh, the work you were doing and that you might do in the future, but on the work that you had done, you weren't feeling like a poet a while ago. 
And then you went through that period where you were just writing like a madman all day long for months and months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's most of that's uh, this book comes from a lot of that period. The, yeah, this it's really got started in Missoula. I think it was connected to, I don't know, to being in Missoula and finally having some free time after, you know, the, the uh, intensity of, of having an infant. Yeah. And uh, I think from talking, I think, uh, you know, after those starting the podcast and talking a lot, I think that, that woke something up. Yeah. That didn't last. <laughs> that, all, that it had, it had a, it expired. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I forgot, I forgot last time we talked, you said that you, uh, you had reached a, a milestone in your own uh, uh, project underway. Did I? Here. So you'd finished, uh, I don't know how we want to talk about it, so, you, so that you'd finished it and, uh, or you'd sent it, sent it into. Yeah, well, here's, this, here's the state that Rian and I are in. This Which is, is a milestone. Yeah. Right? And, in, the, but in, the, in the development of, of, the, of that book. It's not just that, though. It, it's that this is an unprecedented moment in our marriage that um, my book has been sent in and is with my literary agent. Yeah. And Rian's book has been sent in and is with her literary agent. Holy moly. Yes. And um, the screenplay or the, the um, TV pilot that I'd been collaborating on with my partner, my writing partner, uh, is finished and is being read by actresses and you know, TV networks. That's, uh, that sounds highfalutin, but I, I think this is, this is what every failed screenplay does. Um, mm-hmm. And so everything – and then uh, the you – know, all the stuff that my semester is over, of course, um, a bunch of other projects I've been working on are complete. Um, there is all the stuff that has consumed the energies of my mm-hmm. household. You know, my, ba- my band has played their last show. Right. Um, all the creative projects have come to a, a halt. Yeah. And, and I'm left with... After great labors. After great labors. And um, yeah. I'm left with the ability to to sit back and relax and do whatever I like. And of course I've discovered as I discover every time this happens that I'm not good at that. I'm, I'm yeah. not good at not having a, an active project. And um, I uh, just the past couple of days, a few days ago I had this, I had almost, I'm not going to say a panic attack because uh, that's not what it was, but you're feeling it, panicky. I was p- feeling panicky. I was, I was having a very, had a very stressful um, feeling that of unknown origin, and I, I sat down and thought about what was actually bothering me, and I realized that what I had done was filled my days with obligations, good ones, like yeah. because they didn't seem like obligations. I was going to go on a road trip with my little writing group. Uh, I was going to have lunch with a student. I was going to um, play with the the dregs of the band. Uh, at my house, I was going to go out for drinks with somebody at, over three or four days, and I just canceled everything. Um, canceled it all. And then I went out on the porch, and I started reading novels. Uh, and I've been doing that for four days. That's great. Canceled it all. Canceled it all. Stay on the porch, reading novels, smoking cigarettes, pick up cigarettes? No. No. I'm no? not smoking cigarettes. I, A little I, glass of sherry? There's been glasses of things, sure. Yeah. Not sherry. Is sherry, yeah. by the way, a a, a 1970s? Um, think so. Yeah. Beverage. Yeah, I think so. Do you want to tell I mean, me about? Uh, do you want to tell me about the cowboy outlaw? I do. I'd like to know. I would, I'd be very curious what you've been reading out there on that porch. Oh, sure. Um, alternately, uh, Elena Ferrante, mm-hmm. and. Um, and uh, uh, Ruth Rendell crime novels. Ruth Rendell huh? died last month. Um, she did, yeah. And yeah. she was pumping out about a book a year for most of her life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there were three three tiers of Ruth Rendell. There was the police procedurals starring um, Inspector Wexford. Right. Then there were um, non-series, multiple point of view crime novels. Uh, without recurring characters, and then mm-hmm. there were her, there was her literary um, nom de plume, Barbara Vine, 
Mm -hmm. And for a long time, she's been alternating. She's been cycling through the three. Um, and uh, I don't. The only ones I don't really like are the are the non-series, non-Barbara Vine ones, which, um, as she grew mm -hmm. older, became more confused. They the mm -hmm. parts didn't hold together. Like I could feel. She, I could feel she had the glue in her head, but she just couldn't be bothered to put it in the book anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And so the the book seemed sort of unfocused the past decade for the most part. Mm -hmm. But um, I was sad that she, and this is something else I want to talk about is right, what, when writers die. Um, I thought I'd go back and read the Wexford books from the beginning because I really enjoyed them over the years. And so it's been very relaxing. I'm about six books in. Some of them are kind of silly, but sometimes they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're great. They're very comforting. Um, but the Ferrante is just, I thought I liked the first book. Um, it took me a while to read it. It seemed, it was sometimes a little dull, I thought, I think, because it was, there didn't seem to be any driving narrative force in it. It was, um, it felt like a series of memories of things that happened in the order that they happened, uh, which made it feel real. But it also, mm -hmm. um, it it didn't have the it didn't have the energy that Artifice has. I thought no tension. Yeah, yeah. But the second one, you know, either because she's bringing more Artifice into it, or because what actually happened that she is recalling and fictionalizing. Um, happened to take this form. Uh, it's mm -hmm. spectacularly good. Um, and uh, now I'm halfway through the third one, and it's equally good as the second one. So, I'm. Have you read these? I've I've uh, listened to a few of the Wexford books on tape on long drives. Oh, I meant the I meant the Ferrante novels. Oh, the Ferrante. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. I have. I got one from somebody who who became obsessed which i think is a, a phenomenon yeah and it's, it seems to me that you either get into the ferrantes or you get into the now's guards right this person got into both I really think. it's like having yeah. it's like having a universal blood type or something right. a friend elizabeth yeah uh, such an overwhelming enthusiasm for, there's been such an overwhelming enthusiasm for both that uh, i have to say that they're both kind of on the burner for me yeah i'm <laughs> Got them. I've read, I've, read the, I've read the first two Nas cards. I like them. Yeah. But I, I don't feel the uh, uh, obsessive power of them. I think the last the last writer I felt that for was, along with a lot of other people, was Bolaño. Yeah. I think. Um, See, that's, I why, think I, that's exactly I don't know why I, I haven't have read it. Bolaño. I don't, I'm not going to be yeah. bullied into getting into Bolaño. But now it's like a decade <laughs> later. You can, yeah. You can read. Yep, you can read Savage Detectives now <laughs> I can. because nobody's nobody's forcing you to. Exactly. There's not being coerced. No. I feel coerced with these other books that I'm sure are, they're transformative and magnificent. That's why I dug my way out of the prison. They were trying to make me read uh, Bolaño. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah. now and once they brought out the Nows Guard, once the guards came, you know, down the yeah. you know down the down through the cell block, <laughs> banging Nows Guard uh -huh. on the bars, I'm yeah. like, I'm out of here, man. I went. I already went through this with Bolaño. Get out of my face! Yeah. Also, I feel. I feel so. Uh, um, everything in Nowsgard, I, I I see done better in Ben Lerner, and I feel so territorially proud of of, of Ben's books that I, uh, um, uh, reading the Nowsgard. Although Ben likes loves them very much, I feel. Uh, you know, <laughs> it feels like a it's a different team. You know. Like, yeah, this is okay, but uh, uh, he's like the, the 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 high school across town. So I guess we're, <laughs> and I would root for you against <laughs> the team from the moon, the team from the town over. But uh, <laughs> you know, right now, he's like the Topeka West of, of literature. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, I these little these little territorial things, literary territorial things that we do without thinking. And the reason is because it's all too complicated. You can't read all the yeah. things. You can't like all. Yeah, it's the not things. taste. You can't. I can't say that it's taste or or judgment that's that that that, that makes us put books in these boxes in terms of our own library and our own reading time, our own voluntary reading time. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, if I, you know, if I were uh, approaching it as a scholar, I would, I would, you know, apprehend these things fairly. But I'm not a scholar. I don't have to. I can, I can put some major works that would mean so much to me, kind of off to the side. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily need. I don't want something every day that means something to me. Yeah. Sometimes I just. Sometimes I sits and thinks, and sometimes I just sits as. As the orangutan says, I think, or maybe it's a kitten. <laughs> As the orangutan said to the kitten. I uh, um, I was just, uh, right before the podcast, I posted a bunch of photos of my dad on uh, Twitter. Um, are you getting some weird sound? Not at the moment, no. But you are. I'm getting something. I'm getting a Wendy's commercial in my ear. Oh, this is probably a pop-up ad on your browser. Good Lord. Yeah. Have you found it? I don't want that. Stamp yeah. it out. I've got a... Like a, I've mold, got a Like an internet page, mold. Or 50, 50 pages left in, in uh, The Buried Giant. Oh, before... I got it, but I, but I have... I was just going to tell you something before we get to The Buried Giant. Because I'm having some feelings about The Buried Giant right now. Um, uh-huh. Some unhappy feelings. Not about the book. But anyway, I was... Uh, I posted these pictures of my father on Twitter, and various people have... Uh, have favorited them and i noticed that uh heidi pitlore had favorited one one of them and i immediately thought what does this mean about my chances of being in best american short stories next year and then oh. my, and then my next thought was literature is, is is too small a world it yeah. really, it really is yeah. everything what you know when you're uh when you're down in the when you're down in the muck like everything seems to be meaningful um yeah. But anyway, uh, it's, so uh, yeah, I I I read the Buried Giant and then I lent it to Lauren, my bandmate, and um, she gave it back to me last night. And I said, "What do you think?" And she goes, "Sucks." <laughs> well, uh, which I disagree with. I loved it. I'm enjoying it. I, I feel I feel like uh, there's there's room there's room in the in the remaining fifty or sixty pages to disappoint me. Yeah, uh, and and I mean, again, compared to his other books, I'm feeling a little bit. I'm having trouble seeing it as the work of the same hand. Really, but I mean, I am. I, I mean, like this. There's there's a lot of very conscious, different kinds of style, stylistic things that he's doing. I mean, it, it works. It works like a poem, right? Yeah. I mean, it works like a medieval poem. These long ex- exchanges that are these long. Re- Fairly short. I mean, half-page, repetitive conversations. Yeah. Um, that work like stanzas or um, cantos. Uh, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, once once Sir Gawain showed up, I I I became kind of a little more on guard, I guess. Of 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 drift. It's a short book. Yeah, doesn't I'm, seem like it's ten years of work, but who am I is, to judge? Is it really that long that he's been working? I think on he's. It? I think so. That's why I heard some interview. Jeez, Louise. Um, there, it would. Unfortunately, it's very hard to find things on Twitter, so I'm probably not going to find this. But um, I issued a series of tweets about that book when I read it, and um, I. I find it I found it really really interesting and it seems to me as act Ishiguro as anything by Ishiguro. I think the no. fact that it the fact that it took the form of a um this kind of quasi medieval fantasy-esque novel um is sort of beside the point. It just mm-hmm. it feels like he's doing his moves just in this new context with with new idioms um available to him yeah Jesus, i can't i'm not gonna find this i i said all kinds of wonderful things about it um <laughs> well, i haven't finished yet so i don't know but yeah. I, I mean i i i feel the uh um uh, uh you know deliberate i feel deliberately frustrated i'm not sure what it's being aimed at you know did you were you at all aware of the what i, I think of it as kind of a silly debate that um he said something that seemed to that seemed to be um, uh, d- like some derisive comment about fantasy writing. 
um, and that his book is not fantasy. And then, which is totes is, yeah, Ursula Le Guin swept in and started shit talking him, and um, and his shit talking, his shit talking of fantasy, which I don't, I don't quite think he was doing. And of course, the book is a fantasy book, but it's, I don't know, what did you think of all that? It's, I well, think I think it's, I mean, it's, it's it's on it's on the it's on the same tree as as fantasy, but that's because all f- the fantasy is rooted in 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 uh, this in this place and in the 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 literary uh, remains of it. You know, I mean, I mean, fantasy is something like Tolkien, which is I mean, all fantasy is comes out of Tolkien, really. Um, you know, is a uh, imaginative response to the to medieval literature yeah right more than to actual stories more than that than to uh actual experience i mean it's a it's a response to beowulf it's a response to um sir gawain and the green knights a response to all, all of those things and and ishiguro is res- you know is drawing directly from his reading or understanding of, of those those narratives and that style as well. Maybe not even the narrative so much as the style, you know, the, um, I feel, or not See, even British so much as, is a, you know, like a, a cantos of Dante. I mean, the, 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 the conversational s- spirals, especially between the husband and, and wife are, yep. uh, old, uh, you know, are, are, are in, uh, uh you know, it's really not contemporary, you know. You see, though, I feel like, I feel like but, it is, if that book is fantasy, then all of Ishiguro is fantasy. His relationship, he att- he attempts to... Well, Unconsoled certainly is. Right? I mean, fantasy you know, in the way that Kafka is fantasy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I feel a, like... I, I this, feel is, like this, this, book, this book has more to, more in common with... This is more connected to Kafka than to like than to uh, you know Terry Pratchett. Or something, yeah, you know? yeah, I agree. I agree, and I feel like he is he is always drawn from the places that you're that you are saying that he's drawn from in this book. But I feel like this book is maybe the first time he has actually he's actually tried to do the genre in that yeah. way. He's actually put it in the milieu that would seem most appropriate for for those influences but yeah. those influences are in all of his work like that this this circular dialogue um this almost incantatory kind of dialogue the way characters are often talking to themselves more than the person yeah. they're talking to in the scene that the yeah. dialogue is always artificial very artificial in yeah. ishiguro um sometimes like absurdly artificial in this book i think that's one of the different, things different people... markers of that of that artificiality yeah 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 um, but it's a kind of prayer. It's like you're watching the characters pray, essentially, or dream. Um, and I feel like that that's going on here. There's There are yeah. bits of unexplained uncanniness in The Buried Giant uh, that I find um, that I find it extremely powerful. You yeah. know, the, the pieces don't all fit together. And the book is in part about the everyone's confusion about the world that they live in the, the mists yeah. yeah yeah and the fact that the that the what is supposedly the guiding metaphor of the book the buried giant doesn't come into play in any significant way at all but it is it's mentioned of, it's underlined. So, so far i'm at like page 170 or something it was it was mentioned in like well we have to walk over the buried giant or something or the this way we have it was, it was mentioned like a we have to walk by a big oak tree that's all yeah, um, but because yeah. The, those words are on the cover, it becomes it becomes almost like the secret a thing. Giant. Yeah, the secret thing. Yeah, it's almost like a buried giant, actually. The buried giant. Yeah, wouldn't you? I like a. Seems like something might be have a Dairy Queen, a buried giant. <laughs> the buried giant by Kazuo Ishiguro. <laughs> I mean, it makes me think very much of of a uh, of a book that when I'm reading this, I realize is one of my favorites, "The Gift of Stones" by Jim Crace. I Did you ever uh, read that one? It's an early Crace. I haven't read that one. I like him though. He's a strange yeah. writer. Very strange, as we've talked about, and as I'm so proud of recognizing that everything in scans, all of his prose scans iambically. 
Mm. Um, like uh, very strange. Right? The gift of gift of stones is a uh, Stone Age. I mean, this is yeah more recent th- than that, but a uh, Stone Age narrative that uh, that that in order to be a contemporary novel relies on some of the uh, uh, assumptions and that that the Ishiguro is also using to make to make a contemporary novel out of out of uh, preliterate people. I'm not preliterate. I guess these people are not preliterate, but they're not literate. Right. Yeah. Um, um, I'll, uh, I'm going to pick up a copy of this. Gift of Stones. It's nice. Of stones. Give the gift to the Gift of Stones. And also, what's, what's his other, what's his, uh, oh, the Pest House. Yeah, I remember uh, the Jesus companion. one. Companion, similar. No, I don't like oh, Jesus no. The Pest House is a. It's recent, know, actually. It came out the same time as The Road and is basically the same territory, but he's a much better writer than Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. So. Ooh. Interesting. Well, he is. Well, I, I like him. I like him better. I mean, I like Cormac McCarthy's fine, has his place. It's like Gee, ribs. How, you know? or, or in the in the back of your poetry reading. <laughs> or hiding behind a column, like a little <laughs> elf, back to my poetry reading. And one thing I will say about Cormac McCarthy, yeah, is his cereal is magically delicious. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Not the Lucky Charms guy. Do you, do you think that Cormac McCarthy? You think that the Lucky, Lucky Charms, Charms character is he's named... on the cover? He's on the cover of the Lucky Charms. Cereal box. Cormac McCarthy is. Isn't that Cormac McCarthy with the little, <laughs> little buckle and the green hat? Wow. Well, actually, I'm I'm now looking at the the Lucky Charms box has has changed. Yeah. It, like there is. Oh my god. I mean the, the that little that little elf has always had a strange expression on its face. All right. So in the, in the 70s. Speaking of seventies typefaces, to go full circle with this, the um, the original Lucky Charms box, or the one that we grew up with, it's a cartoon, you know, a line drawing cartoon uh, Irish leprechaun dude, um, and he's smiling and he's got red cheeks and his you know his his tongue sticking out in the in the universal symbol for um, something delicious for it something's good yeah I got the hungers. Um, but the most recent, the, I, I mean, the face on this, it's crazy. Oh yeah. It's, uh, deranged. Isn't it? Yeah. He's not, he's not, he's not moved by deliciousness and hunger, but like by (laughs) greed, greed and madness. (laughs) This is wrong. Yeah. I don't like that. This CGI, this, uh. Pixar, Lucky Charms, uh, Madman. Oh, Ed, it's so wrong. Good God! I'm looking. There are there has been a lot of development of the Lucky Charms uh, uh, figure. The one I'm the, the 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 contemporary Lucky Charms image does not remind me of of Cormac McCarthy. But no, but the old one does. The older one does. The more like a more thoughtful. Not driven by greed, but by, uh, um, uh, um, you know, uh, um, uh, intensity and and uh, and uh, sort of you know sort of dark um, dark understanding of human nature. <laughs> Long suffering, lucky charms. Fellow, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, man. This is this, yeah. this is freaking yeah. me out. Anyway, the so Jim Crace gives this gives the stones. It's awfully uh, good. It's about awfully the past. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the past, uh, be, being being dragged, kicking and screaming into the present. I saw the Jurassic World with my children. Did you? I'd like to see a movie someday. Yeah, I Do you, you remember them? Barely, man, barely. Fatherhood is what you're doing instead of going to the movies. Yeah. It was chompy. It was munchy. 
Looks a little too munchy for a three-year-old. Yeah. Someone brought a baby no. to it. Um, Owen, like during the previews, just turned to me and just and said, Welp, there is an infant in here. <laughs> yep. I said, yep. Baby cry the whole movie. Yeah. They didn't think to bring it out of the theater. No. So that the crying wouldn't distract the rest of us from the carnage. Quarantine is Baby. the... Is the Crace novel? Quarantine's a Jesus. Of. Yeah, yeah Baby didn't like Chris Pratt. I I guess not. I guess not. Mm-hmm. Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are super hot, and and I enjoyed their interplay. The, it was you know it's a dumb movie, um, but as Owen Owen put it, it's a it's a fitting sequel. A wor- he said worthy. It's a worthy sequel to the original, whereas the two mm-hmm. a, the two contemporary sequels of the original were not. Yeah, but um, I was just glad to see it exists. I um, I might go see this new Pixar movie. People seem to, to like it. Yeah, yeah. There's like one G movie a year at this point. You know. Yeah. One movie I might be able to take a kid to a year. But I went to. I did get out to see some music last night. What'd you see? I saw my friend's uh, uh, truck stop honeymoon yeah. at a bar called the Laurel Thirst in Portland. I had to make sure Oscar was asleep first, so I got there as they're already playing. Um, it's a schlep into town. It's 20, 25 minutes, even without, without traffic. Yeah. Um, and because it's a similar length back, I can't have a, a civilized drink. And go see music. I can go in and do something like see a show, but I can't really relax the way that everyone else is, you know. Yep. But um, good, good band. A guy I played with in, in New Orleans, Mike West. This is his new band of now thirteen years. Um, it's just uh, he's a banjo player and he plays with his his wife plays bass and they sing fun, uh, funny and moving songs in close harmony. Great photo of them on the web the website here. Yeah, yeah. Mike West. Great album. His uh, on stage persona is a bit of a yokel, but he's uh, he's Australian. His father was is the best selling at least one point it was like the best selling Australian author ever. Oh, within Australia, but they're um, uh, sort of some Catholic. Detective mystery series mm. that uh, <laughs> sold wildly in Australia <laughs> and mildly elsewhere. And I read one of them, and they're not very good, but they're they're very popular. They're wild and mild. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mike ended up in New Orleans, and I used to go play with him at. Uh, he had a gig Tuesday nights. He played two nights a week at the at the Margaritaville, and I would go down. And sit in with him at the Margaritaville stage, where he, where I, where I watched him um, deal with that terrible crowd with great mastery. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think I admire him. I admire his songwriting and his singing and his playing. But I also admire how he can um, uh, handle a crowd. Um. You know, a drunken crowd of fools and can yeah. turn them into not only fans who are going to buy all of his CDs, but also going to um, how to sort of co-opt their disagreeability into um, into uh, you know, docility. Yeah, yeah that I think that is part of um, whenever I, I reflect about uh, literary bitterness – People who get angry because either they have not gotten what they think they deserve, the attention they think mm-hmm. they deserve, or that the people who embrace an aesthetic that they admire have not gotten what they think these people deserve. Um, that success, with with scare quotes around it, um, this it's part of it's part of this essay I have kind of cooking about 
um, you can't. There is no separation of art and commerce. That you that um, all all art is commerce, right? If you if what you want is for other people to read the, what you wrote, or hear what you've played, what you've written, mm. hear the song you've written, then you're already engaged in commerce. You're, you're competing for scarce resources. Yeah, people's ears, which and may eyes not and be money. And, but no. Yeah. no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. We think of we think of art and commerce as being like art being a pure thing, and then there's money. Um, but money is just a way to get attention and power, and you can skip out, skip the middleman, and just get the attention, and that's a kind of commerce as well. But that the the ability to do that is part of what it means to be good at your art in a certain way. Like your relationship with your audience, your ability to have a relationship with your audience to, um, you know, there was, I, when I was younger, I, I would get annoyed when writers I did not think were as good as me were famous and I was not. But yeah. a lot of the reasons that other people are famous is, I mean, their writing, in fact, may be better than mine in some objective way that um, I'm not willing to look at uh you know uh clearly but it's actually like having a relationship with the outside world is part of what it takes to be an artist who is successful and it informs the way you do what you do um so mm -hmm. i'm always i'm always impressed with someone who can who can work a crowd especially a difficult crowd i've seen it happen um bands that like i would w walk into a club and they're playing and immediately the snob in me is like oh this sucks and then i kind of realize that the talent they have for interacting with people, for making people pay attention to them and pleasing them, and have to admit that that's kind of amazing. Yeah, it is. And what I admire about Mike, he's able to do it as a, um, both as an, a necessity of, of making a living. Yeah. Um, but also as a, as a self-protection, mm -hmm. you know, because it would drive you mad if you didn't have some control over, if you if you were just at the mercy of of the crowd, would it would drive you mad? Would make it unpleasant? Um, but also, it it uh, in his case, it it's how he trains these temporary audiences to listen to what he's doing, um, without making the it, 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 it's a way of honing their attention, right? It's part of the style, yeah. To um, to you know deliver his these you know well well written songs and and playing in a way that 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 um, creates a hunger for it you know? yeah yeah and it's hard i don't know how you how you learn it except just by playing at margaritaville every tuesday night for five years hmm. <laughs> when you said margaritaville i immediately started thinking of other um municipalities named named after beverages like yeah. Negroniopolis or, I don't know. Port Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, Port Dr. Pepper. <laughs> um, so I, Sun I got... Town. <laughs> <laughs> I got to... Uh, I got to go make my kids some waffles, but I want right. to... You still haven't talked to me about Brian Dewan's The Cowboy Outlaw. Well, we don't need to get into it. Um, There's a lot of goddamn just... syllables in this song, Ed. It's a it's a it's a great song. It's the saddest saddest song I know. It's been in my mind the last few days. But sad. It's like outrageously sad. It's it ends with with uh, it's you know I don't know ten stanzas about uh, the uh, the the mistreatment of this uh, cowboy's of this corpse, and then only is the the, the last stanza uh, the story of his actual life and hanging. You know, and that's the happy ending. Yeah, he thought his life was over, but it had only just begun. Oh God! You know, ends up what? as a mummy on a um, <laughs> uh, amusement park ride. That is. Yeah, this is gross. I'll definitely link to this. I just the first three lines are great because they just they give away what you think is the ending. Gather around, my children. I'll tell a tale of woe about a famous cowboy outlaw who lived a hundred years ago. Today, mm -hmm. his soul at last is resting peacefully in hell. Yeah. Though many years have passed away since through the gallows trap he fell. He was sitting propped up in a chair just after he was hanged, and they photographed his body as a distant church bell rang. 
A circus man was waiting with $50 in his coat, and he bought the cowboy outlaw, outlaw so he could have him in his show. And very soon he was embalmed and toured from town to town. People paid to see the outlaw that they'd heard so much about. He stood before them with a pistol against a painted scene, the greatest cowboy outlaw that the world had ever seen. But in time he was forgotten, and no one knew his name. And when he began to fall apart, they took his booth away. <laughs> they painted him with varnish and put a crown upon his head. Come see the king of Egypt, said the sign out front and said. <laughs> then one year the circus closed, the tents were packed away, and he was sold to an amusement park on Massachusetts Bay. <laughs> he was sold for next to nothing, and they packed him in the van. They thought they'd bought a dummy, but they'd really bought a man. <laughs> it goes on in that vein. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's also a true story. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. All right. Well, um, enjoy what's left of Father's Day. I hope you get your present. I hope you get the I hope you get the uh school generated gift from I'll your child. Get You'll get something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe somebody'll give you a back rub. Are you hungry for lunch? Then let's have lunch Do you want some lunch? Well then we'll give you some lunch Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well then come to lunch Cause it's time for lunch Box with Ed and John That's right, it's time for lunch